Just like a quick review what we went over last week, because I know not everybody was here, and it's important to kind of build as we journey with Jesus. So last week we talked about one of my spiritual heroes. It was his feast day on Saturday, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And you know the saints are like so unrelatable. You ever meet people who think, oh, I can't be a saint, there's no way. But like 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us that the will of God is your sanctification. That means you and I, God's plan is for us to become saints. There it is. What does God want us to do? Become saints. And the saints, what they do is they bring the life of the gospel to, to life. They bring the, the words to life. And for us, when we look at the lives of the saints, we can, we can actually relate to them. And St. Ignatius is one of my spiritual heroes. And last week we talked about his life and talked about at one point he was in his mid-20s and he took a cannonball to the shin when he was in Spain in the 1500s. And he was like super vain. Like nobody here is vain, right? Vain, vanity or being vain means that you care more about what other people think than what God thinks. Like nobody here ever does that, right? And he was so vain that when, his, when, his, when he was healing, his shin set a little bit off. So there's like a little nub and it looked ugly and he didn't want anybody to see that. And not like anybody here, right? None of, none of you have problems with your body, like body image, thinking parts of your body you don't really like, right? Because the saints are totally like unrelatable. And Ignatius was so vain that he actually asked to have his shin rebroken. And this is a time where they have no narcotics, no painkillers, no ibuprofen, no mommy to console you. Like it was just straight on pain. And as he was meditating on, on, his, on his bed, he, he just noticed that he asked one question, which I asked all of you, but he asked the question, what if I became the next St. Francis Sisi, or what if I did what St. Dominic did? And he just noticed, because he was very worldly, like nobody here ever cares about, too much about things in the world, he just noticed that when I thought about worldliness and, and, and the, the fleshly life, and thought about sweeping a woman off her feet, going into the battlefield, and, and, and sweeping her off, my feet, off her feet, and just going into the sunset, he noticed that like that worldly pleasure, that worldly honor, it actually went away faster and it left him more depressed. But then he noticed that when he meditated upon a life of sainthood, of actually saving souls, having a zeal for souls, going out and helping people encounter Jesus, he noticed that the peace, the joy, it lasted longer. And then I asked you, what if you became the next St. John Paul II? What if you became the next St. Teresa of Calcutta? Because, again, God's will is that you become saints. And our world is in desperate need of people who are striving for holiness, striving with a deep zeal for souls. And when Ignatius was out of recovery, and he went, he went on a, a year-long pilgrimage, at one point he, he came up with this meditation, and it's so good. And I asked you to, to ask yourself, you know, what banner are you living under? What, what standard are you living under? What's the, what flag? Because for you and I, it's black and white. Either we're leading souls to heaven or leading them to hell. That's where you and I end up. And again, our God doesn't send us to hell. You and I choose it by the way we live. And each day, Ignatius encouraged us to meditate for at least five to ten minutes. What banner did you fight under? Under the Catholic Church, the Blessed Mother, Jesus, the saints, your ancestors? Or were you under the spirit of worldliness, greed, the flesh, and the devil, and all of his evil minions. And it helps us, we do that because you and I are made for the truth. We're made for the truth. We talked last week also about 
if I made you feel good, but I lied to you the whole time, would you love me? Or if I told you the truth, knowing it might make you feel uncomfortable sometimes, would you love me? If I had an orange and I started to squeeze it, you would get orange juice, right? Jesus, in the gospel for the past couple weeks and this week and next week and the weeks to come, he's being squeezed. And he doesn't make things better by telling people lies and making them feel better. Jesus is squeezed when it comes to the core of what it means to be a Catholic because if Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, which you receive every single Mass, if he's truly present in the Eucharist, that changes everything. But if not, then what we're doing is like the dumbest thing ever, right? But Jesus, when he's challenged, as he goes deeper, as he, he, just, he just fed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children, so we know that that means without birth control and all that stuff, like, there's probably, and all the women that were there, probably between 25,000 and 50,000 people are feeding him, or he fed. So that means that Jesus just fed 25 to 50,000 people, and after they eat, they're still hungry. He made them feel good, but there's still an ache in their heart for the truth. They're wondering, why do I still feel empty? Why do I still desire more when I had everything I just wanted? And Jesus challenges them in our gospel today as we continue through John 6, what I challenge you all to read last week. He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And he says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. What? Did you just hear what he just said? Like, this is some... Stuff you would never do to, like, please a crowd and make them feel good. Jesus is going to say later in John chapter 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Huh? He'll later say, to prove that he's being squeezed and what comes out of him, as being squeezed, he says, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Huh? If you want to keep a crowd of 25,000 to 50,000 people around you, don't tell them to eat you, right? That's like a really, really weird thing. But Jesus is telling us the truth that he wants to be with us. He actually wants to be inside of us. And as he's, he's being squeezed, it's, it's more difficult teaching and more difficult teaching and more difficult teaching. And the, the Jews murmur. They, 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 they quarrel. They struggle with this. This is a hard teaching and what happens, because Jesus has this teaching, which is the core of the Catholic faith, his, his body and blood, this is a gift he wanted to give us and leave us, to be with us always. They all leave. Between twenty-five and 50,000 people leave because they say this teaching is difficult. And Jesus looks at his apostles and he looks at you and me today, and he says, will you leave me now too? And Peter, our first pope, says, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. Notice how he didn't say, Lord, you have the words that make me feel good all the time. No, he said, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. To whom else shall we go? That means he would never go to anyone but Jesus. And when he fell, he would repent. That's the difference with Peter. He repents. 
And the saints teach us how to follow Jesus. The saint that we celebrate today on August 8th is always Saint Dominic. I want to teach you a little bit about his life because his life is fantastic. I love Saint Dominic. I love what he comes to teach us. And I hope his life, I hope this little teaching helps you come to understand the, the power of the saints. And he was born in the late 1100s, the 12th century in Spain. And his mother's name is Juana. And they came from a place called Anza. And when she was pregnant, she didn't know she was going to have a boy or a girl, right? She didn't know it didn't have any ultrasounds back then, of course. She had this mysterious dream and, and this mysterious experience where she gave birth to a dog. Huh? What? You following me here? This is weird, right? But she, she didn't know what that meant, but the dog leapt out of her womb in her dream and had a torch in its mouth and it went around the world to set the world on fire with the love of Jesus. Huh? What? Well, thank God when she actually gave birth, she didn't give birth to a dog, she gave birth to a little boy named Dominic. And Dominic had this particular way of speaking that it just moved people. He had a very clear and concise way of preaching. And he, through that, felt called to be a priest because he knew that what he was saying was moving people. And he said, how can I use this gift to glorify God? And he eventually pursued that call and became a priest of Jesus Christ. And in his time, there was a heresy going around. I've been trying to pronounce this right the past, like, two masses, and I screwed up every time, so bear with me. The heresy is called Albigensianism. Sweet, I did it right for the first time in three masses. And this heresy, this heresy said that spiritual things are good. Spiritual things are good, but material things like flesh, bad. What that meant for the people of this time, that meant that Christianity is bad for you. Christianity is bad for you because it denied the fact that Jesus is God, that God took on flesh, that God took on our humanity to redeem it. It denied the fact that Mary was perpetual virgin and gave flesh to God. That she conceived the power of the Holy Spirit. Denied the fact that God had a human heart for the first time. Denied the fact that your body and my body are good. And this upset Father Dominic. And he believed that through his preaching of the word, the word of God, it would move souls to truth and away from this heresy but it was a battle. He struggled deeply in his fight against this heresy. And at one point it led him to such distress that he went on a retreat to France. And then one day on that retreat in France, he just went out to the woods and prayed. And he said, God, I need your help. I need help. Those saints are so unrelatable. Like, you know, like none of us ever can say that. We actually ask God, I need help, right? And through that begging of Dominic, the Blessed Mother appeared to him, tradition tells us. And Mary said, preach my Psalter. Preach my Psalter. The rosary would later become that Psalter like three, four hundred years later. But it was through Mary's intercession that Dominic would be given this weapon. Mary called 
this Psalter a weapon. Some translations say a battering ram against the heresy of Albigensianism. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> I love those words. She knew that we needed weapons against evil. And when you and I become lazy in our faith, we forget that we're at a battle, we're at a war, we have these two banners, as Ignatius taught us later. And I love Mary, she's a warrior. And, and Dominic, Father Dominic would take this back to Spain and he would use this psalter of teaching about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, not the feel-good gospel, but the truth that convicts hearts. And he would have great success by teaching people how to pray and meditate upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And people were so attracted to Dominic that they said they, they wanted to be around him always, so he founded a religious community called the Dominicans. And for those of us who know our Latin, they know that the word domine, for the beginning of Dominic, domine means Lord or God. And cane means dog. So they were known as the dogs of God or the dogs of a Lord. And their logo became this dog with a torch in its mouth who it, it was on fire and it was running around setting the world on fire with the love of Jesus, which was that, that dream came true from his mother, Juana. The vision of his mother came true. And Dominic would later die in the year 1221. And that's significant to us today because he died on August 6, 1221, which was 800 years ago, just on Friday. And he used that Psalter of Mary to fight heresy, to remain under the banner of the Catholic Church. But you know who didn't like this sword? You know who didn't like this Bible on beads? Who didn't like this battering ram against evil? Satan. Satan hates Mary because she gave God flesh. And she, in the scriptures, has her heel on the head of Satan. She humiliates him. And in the next centuries to come, there would be this thing called the Black Plague in Europe, a, an epidemic. Rats were around infesting places and making people extremely sick, which is where we get the part of the Hail Mary called Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Because people were so afraid of that. Not that anybody has been afraid of a virus in the past year, right? And theologians and different saints have said that it was Satan that unleashed all these rats around. Because they burned everything in Europe at this time. All of the Catholic books, all the Catholic rituals including all of the Psalters, which we now call the Rosary, because they didn't want that to be around anyone to get them sick. And it became almost lost, the Rosary. But different saints throughout the history kept it going. And to this day, St. John Paul II has given us, in the past 50 years, a new set of mysteries called the Luminous Mysteries. Luminous means light means that it brings light into areas of darkness. 
And in the luminous mysteries, the fifth mystery in the rosary, when you pray it, it's on the institution of the Eucharist because Pope John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II, knew that you and I forgot that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. We've forgotten the truth. And Ignatius, when he taught us how to pray, he said we can't go through the motions in prayer. We have to enter in full body. To take our senses, our five senses, and use them in a spiritual way, we have to imagine what did it look like? What did it sound like? What did it taste like? What were the expressions of our face? And to enter in with our spiritual imagination and go deep, which is the same thing we're called to do when we pray the rosary. We're using our senses. We're touching. We're speaking. We're imagining. And what I'd like us to do is just to pray that one decade of the rosary, because I've just encountered so many people. The problem is they've never been taught how to pray. They might know words, but they don't know how to pray, how to abide in communion with God. And in particular, what I'd like us to do is to do, we're going to do what we call a scriptural rosary. The word of God transforms hearts, and the word of God became flesh in Jesus. And as we have this word here, it's going to be flesh on this altar in just a moment. So what I'd like you to do is just to imagine for a moment that you're at the Last Supper. And to imagine, what did the apostles look like? What did Jesus look like? What was the intensity about before he was about to be slaughtered and humiliated and nailed to a cross for your soul and my soul out of love for us? What was that intensity like? What was the temperature of the room as Jesus changes the Passover, fulfills the Passover, that is. And when we, when we pray the rosary, when there's a leader, it's, 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 it's call and response as a communal act. And just imagine what this would be like. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read you uh, a section of scripture of what Jesus says, and then we'll begin to pray. And some people, when they pray, they like to just close their eyes. If you have a rosary, I encourage you, just get it out, just pray it, don't be, don't be afraid. And I encourage you to to carry a rosary with you every day the rest of your life, because this thing just works. If we read in Mark 14, verses 22 through 25, it says that while they were eating at the Last Supper, at the Passover, Jesus took bread in his hands, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat of it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from it he said this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many and he said to them i tell you the truth i will not drink of it again the fruit of the vine again until that day when i drink anew in the kingdom of god let's enter in here to know what we're doing as we pray In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of, which, of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The Jews quarreled and murmured among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as a living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus said, This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Then many of his disciples who were listening said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied Jesus. Jesus said to them, to the twelve, Do you also want to leave me? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Last week I challenged you to read John chapter 6. If you haven't done that, please do so. This week, my challenge is for you to pray one decade of the rosary, but look up a scriptural rosary. There's podcasts, YouTube videos, books galore. in a Catholic bookstore in town here. Maybe you've heard of it. And just encourage you to, to pray that each day and to enter in full, full body, blood. Just like, like, all your senses enter into the prayer. And what's going to happen to you when you get squeezed even to pray? This past week, I was moving my Bose speaker. It's like yaw big, like 10, 15 pounds. And it got, the cord got stuck in between a cabinet and a wall. And it, and it slipped out of my hands when I, got, when I got pulled back. And I dropped it on my toe. Ow. What came out of my mouth were the words, Lord, have mercy. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, take the pain away. Anything. But that's because I've encountered Jesus in the Eucharist. And I know he loves me. If you would have met me before that, when I was, in my, when I was 20, and I had no idea who Jesus was, it would have been every foul word you could ever imagine. That's the difference Jesus makes. So when you and I are squeezed throughout the week, we have a choice to walk under the banner of the angels and the saints, or we have the choice to walk under the banner of the devil, evil one, and the spirit of the world. And when you and I come to know that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, it changes everything. So when you come forward to receive him, Will you just put a hand out or try to receive him with pincher fingers, which is like irreverent? Or will you make a throne with your hands to know you're receiving the God of the universe, the king of the universe? Or will you open your mouth and receive him on your tongue? And just slow down and realize what you're receiving. Jesus gives us the sustenance, the fuel, his body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Eucharist so we can fight the good fight of faith. What a gift it is to be Catholic. Let us never take that for granted. Let us just take a moment of silence. Because maybe you're like St. Dominic and you're just praying, I need help. No one wants you to know about the power of the Eucharist more than Mother Mary. She is our advocate. She is our greatest intercessor. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to fall upon this place so that we may know and believe what we're receiving. Why? Because you and I are created for the truth. The truth is Jesus, and he loves you so immensely. We just pause to honor what we're about to receive in this Eucharistic liturgy. Amen.